Welcome to this week's episode of Please Advise. Today we are talking to a friend of mine, Brandon Miller, who is the lead for the diversity, equity, and inclusion practice at Clarkston Consulting. He is also the founder of Two Fly Foundation, a nonprofit focused on giving travel grants to individuals in underserved communities. Brandon is extremely knowledgeable in the DEI space and honestly just a pleasure to talk to. So I'm so excited for today's conversation. Uh, let's hop in. Brandon, thanks so much for joining today. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Absolutely. I am excited for the conversation, excited to be here. Yeah, it would be great um, if you could give our listeners a little bit of information about you and what you do and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, Brandon Miller, pronouns he, him, his. Um, I'm a Dallas-based consultant, so I work for a company, Clarkson Consulting. Um, and I've been with that organization for about eight years now. Um, there I lead our internal diversity council. So a lot of the internal diversity, equity, and inclusion work that we do, um, you know, I've helped spearhead and lead for the past few years. Um, and I also lead our diversity services. So the ways in which we help our clients and, and partner and, and serve our clients in this space, um, which has been an exciting, you know, couple year run so far. I'm just working in the space, so lead that as well. Outside of Clarkston, I like to stay busy, so I got my hands in a lot of different things. So one of which is a nonprofit that I founded. Um, we're actually coming up on five years. It's called the Two Fly Foundation, um, and the goal and the mission of this nonprofit is to provide passports, travel grants, and really like travel experiences to students in underserved communities. So I like one of my biggest passions is international travel, traveling abroad, um, and I kind of understand the benefits of that. So being able to kind of pour into that as a nonprofit has been a lot of fun as well. And it doesn't necessarily feel like work after work. So that's always a plus. And I, I think the last thing I'll add, too, is I love that I'm on a podcast because I just started one as well called Transformation Talk. So um, all of the tips that you have, Sam, in this conversation or after this conversation, I'll take them all. Yes, definitely. <laughs> we'll definitely share all the podcast knowledge. And the same goes with you too. Like, please <laughs> pass Absolutely. it back my way. Um, but that's incredible. And obviously, you know, you and I met at our Clarkston days. I've always looked up to you and the work that you've done there. So, you know, just have to say that. But I, I honestly don't know as much about your foundation. And I would love to hear like how you got into that. Like what inspired you to start a foundation? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess I'll start the story at like our origin. So as I shared, I, I love traveling abroad. I studied abroad in undergrad um, at Georgia Tech. Um, and after I graduated, I wanted to figure out ways to like, at least like at a minimum, provide passports to like a few students um, that couldn't either afford a passport or were en enrolled in some type of travel study or volunteer abroad program. Um, so a few friends of mine um, and myself, we kind of had a happy hour where we just like raised money to buy passports. So, wow. you know, as a you know recent grad, everyone loves like post-work happy hours. So that's really how we started. Um, so five years ago, we started throwing happy hours across the country to raise money to provide passports. And since then, we've grown. So we've grew our team. We've established, you know, that official foundation to complement our nonprofit. 
Um, and we really just work to provide experiences in person and virtual for students uh, to be able to see the world. Uh, we also kind of like go into schools and have like this pep rally style um, kind of like travel immersion program that we that we do in schools, which is a lot of fun. Um, and then also, you know, provide the passports and the travel grants. So to date, I think we're approaching um, impacting about 200 students. So it's wow. really exciting to see how many you know, folks that we've helped get abroad, kind of close that equity uh, equity gap when it comes to just being able to travel and experience travel. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's honestly incredible. I I agree with you. Travel is a huge passion of mine, and I think it really opens your eyes to the world. You know, it, you grow up in a very small bubble, and it's hard to imagine life outside of that bubble. Um, and for me, travel was a big a big changer and how I viewed the world. So I think that's really incredible. Thank you. So now that you have the experience on kind of both sides, right, the business side, the consulting side, um, as well as the foundation side, we're hearing a lot of companies talk about how they want to, you know, change their DE&I efforts or launch their DE&I efforts in some instances. Mm -hmm. Um, but they don't really know where to start and they don't really know what to do. And it ends up being a lot of chaos and not a lot of action. Um, to those organizations that are in that scenario, what, what would you tell them? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Cause I, I think especially over the past year, year and a half, we've seen the conversation around diversity, equity, and inclusion just rise. Everyone's trying to figure out what to do, what to start, what to stop doing. Um, and for me, I always break it down into kind of like four distinct components on this journey, right? It's how can we raise our awareness as individuals and as an organization about not only just the core principles of what diversity, equity, and inclusion is, because they're three different things that often get kind of like lumped together, Mm -hmm. um, or masked under, you know, certain buzzwords and terms, Um, So really, how do we understand what are these three core kind of components? What do they mean? um, And how do they manifest themselves in the workplace? So that's the first thing is just really raising our acumen and our awareness um, when it comes to these terms. And then two, now we have to understand how they affect us as an organization, us as leaders and us as people. So when we hear the term unconscious bias, yes, we can get the definition. We understand how that ties to diversity. But do we truly understand how that might be affecting us in the workplace and the work that we're doing? Um, So I I always say raise that awareness and make it personal and make it real outside of just the slide decks or the Harvard Business Review articles that we read and that we repost. Like we have to make it personal to us as leaders and to us as an organization. Once you get that awareness and we're all starting to march to the beat of the same drum in our organization, we get what it means. We're starting to unify on a vision of like, here's where we're starting at. Here's where we're trying to go. And we get that alignment. That's when we should start kind of forming that action plan. And, and what are we going to do to bridge that gap? I think one of the things that I've seen in the past year is a lot of like knee jerk reactions to diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's, oh, company X, you know, launched this unconscious bias program. We need to go do that right now. Or, you know, company Y donated, you know, 
so many dollars to a, a HBCU, historically black college or university, let's do that as well. And that's making it to where we're, we're kind of reacting to things that might not necessarily either align with our values as an organization, might be out of touch or out of step with the work that we're doing within the four walls of our organization, um, and aren't you know necessarily authentic to who we are. So it's important that we get that awareness, that grounding, and that common vision before we start making that action plan and that roadmap. Yeah, I think that's extremely important. And I think we see a lot of companies saying like, okay, we need to do like 500 things and this is how we're going to solve all of our problems, um, all of the issues that we have internally. We're just going to start doing all of these initiatives and they don't actually take that step back and say like, okay, this is actually where we are today and here's where like our, our biggest opportunity to improve is or like here's you know a strategic way for us to set goals. They're kind of like, let me do it all. Let me just like see what happens yeah. and do it all. Yeah, and I think you know to that point too is a lot of organizations that don't take the time to really one raise that awareness like we're talking about or set the infrastructure and like the groundwork. They're at risk of you know impacting their employees as well. I think another thing that we see is all right, we're going to do, you know, these 500 things like you mentioned. And at the time, our employees are excited. Like everyone's kind of geared up. Or I should say a fraction of our employees will be excited and geared up. Another fraction might be like, okay, why are we doing this? I don't understand it because we haven't done that groundwork. We haven't got that kind of common vision. Um, and then, you know, we look at it, you know, six months down the road and our employees are burnt out because we've been doing all of these different actions and activities and running in a thousand directions. And we forget that all of these employees have a real job as well. Cause oftentimes these are internal initiatives or, you know, volunteer projects. And then we start to stall or we lose momentum or we don't complete some of the initiatives that we start. So that, I think that's another reason why it's important to have that strategy, lay that groundwork, like you mentioned, um, before running off in, you know, 500 directions. Yeah. And what you said about, you know, taking a look at, you know, the, the employees and the progress that you're making, I think that's a really important point because if we don't feel like we're actually making a difference with our efforts to your point earlier, it's so easy to get discouraged and burnt out. And I think that's something that a lot of people, in the, the sustainability and the social impact space get and feel they have like so much weight on their shoulders, but we want to make sure that that burnout doesn't happen. We want to make sure that people are, are feeling productive and are seeing the changes happen, even if it's minuscule, but you can't do that if you aren't measuring and tracking and, and setting the foundations and doing the groundwork first. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and we all heard the saying, you know, what, what doesn't get measured doesn't get managed. What doesn't get managed doesn't get done. So, um, you know, I know at Clarkson, we're, we're big proponents, and myself personally, of being data-driven and people-focused. So there's two elements that can kind of help us prioritize what it is that we need to do, making sure that we're focusing on actions that are really going to move the needle um, and get us to the direction that we want to go. So definitely um, encourage either setting benchmarks, setting goals from a metric standpoint, um, and, and, and tracking those over a period of time, for sure, yeah. So there's a lot of organizations, too, that I feel like are sitting there and they're having these meetings and they're having these conversations and they're like, all right, 
we want to reach X or we want to do Y or we want to, you know, improve the diversity of our new hire pipeline or, or whatever their initiative is. And they just start doing things, right? They're just like, okay, we set, we did all the things that we were supposed to do. We looked at ourselves internally, we set goals, we came up with a strategy and they just start acting. But you and I have talked about this before. I don't necessarily think this is the most um, strategic or impactful way to do it. Like there's a lot of people already on the ground doing great work and doing, and maybe not directly related to pipeline, but other other elements of social and environmental responsibility. So those organizations who are just really looking internally as opposed to at that full picture, what would you tell them? How, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I think there's a couple things here. The, the first kind of reaction to the question is, I always try and start with why. So mm-hmm. why are we in the position that we're in, whatever that might be, good, bad, or, or indifferent? Why are we here? Why do we want to get to this destination? Like, what, What's going to be the outcome that we're trying to get when we solve X problem? Maybe it's increasing um, you know, diversity numbers internally. Maybe it's connecting better with our communities. If we have, maybe we're in a food desert or we're in an area that has um, less access to, um, you know, quality education, whatever it might be that we're trying to kind of bridge that gap, start with why. And I say that because when you understand why we're in the position that we're in today, which might be inequitable, um, or there might be some type of gap, we can figure out what not to do. Like, here's how we got to this position. Here's what we know not to do and and what we are trying to achieve. And then when we understand the why we're trying to get to our destination, that's going to set that common vision. So we're all marching to the beat of the same drum. We all kind of understand why we're trying to develop an action plan or strategic plan to bridge that gap. Once you kind of establish those, there's a lot of different things that you can do to start to bridge that gap, and that's kind of acting with equity. One of the things that we've talked about before that I'm a huge proponent of is working through kind of collaboration and and partnerships to bridge gaps. And I think that's, uh, you know, an action that a lot of smaller organizations are looking to bigger organizations to kind of help through collaboration. Um, I know for 2Fly, like that's kind of our bread and butter when it comes to our growth is how can we grow through partnerships and collaboration. So in that vein, I would say look for organizations. If you are a a large organization looking to do some work in your community, what are the people on the ground saying, you know, or what are they doing and how can you use your privilege your brand, you know, likeness, your equity, your, your market capture to elevate those voices and to elevate the work that's already being done, right? And if you have that vision of where you're trying to go, it's easy to find organizations that might have common vision, that just need some resources, that might just need, um, you know, some support to elevate the, the good work that they're already doing. And you're kind of achieving two things at once, elevating you know, a smaller business or a growing business, um, but then also achieving your diversity, equity, inclusion, or sustainability goals as well. Yeah, I and this is something that is extremely important, right? Like we can't make or achieve, you know, big results or make a big impact without partnerships, without looking outside of our own, you know, four walls. 
And I think some companies, you know, especially smaller ones are thinking about what they can do and they're not really sure how to go about like partnering with a foundation or a nonprofit or, you know, finding people who are already on the ground doing the work um, that is close to their heart. So what advice would you give those people um, who want to get started and want to want to create these partnerships, but don't really know where to start? Yeah, so I'll start from, say, like a nonprofit or a, you know, a small impact uh, business point of view, and then I'll, I'll flip to the other side. I think for, you know, nonprofits or, um, you know, organizations that are trying to achieve or close a gap, whatever that might be, a lot of the work or the approach that we take at Two Fly is what is our mission and, you know, what's the problem that we're trying to solve and what organizations would be a good fit to help elevate that that's kind of symbiotic or mutually beneficial, right? So we take a look at core values of organizations that we want to work with. Um, we, took a, we take a look at um, past initiatives. Um, so if we're trying to provide resources, for example, to students in under-resourced communities, you know, one of the gaps that we're trying to solve is, you know, students need luggage, they need baggage. So how can we partner with organizations that are in this space that share core values and that are probably, you know, looking to do good work as well? We can easily outline what that symbiotic partnership could, could be, right? Um, and it's, it's not like a, a hard sell to that organization. So in, I guess, in summary, look at core values, look at, you know, past actions or committed actions and figure out how you can make those puzzle pieces fit together. On the flip side, um, for organizations, whether small, medium, or large, it's back to that awareness kind of question that we were talking about. How can we not only be aware of what's happening within the four walls of our organization, but how can we be aware of what's going on outside, mm -hmm. right? So it's important to take a look at what's going on in your community. What are the um, causes that folks are concerned about or that are passionate about? Um, and how can you play a role in that conversation? So often it's looking and working with community leaders. It's kind of that networking aspect of what rooms can I introduce myself into that I'm typically not in, right? If we're thinking about unconscious bias, we're typically hanging out with the same folks with you know, like-minded interests um, are similar to us. How can we take that kind of courageous step to introduce ourselves into different communities, into different networks, and that way we'll get that that you know perspective that we we might not be used to, or we might not be hearing in our circles. Um, so I think that's another important action that leaders and organizations should and could be taking. Yeah, I think that's that's great, and I think to your point, right? Like looking at what's going on in the community, that's huge. Like we don't necessarily if we're talking about diversity, right, and we want to help improve diversity and equity, if we don't talk to the people on the ground, if we don't have those hard conversations, how, how do we know we're solving the right problems? Or how do we know we're really looking at the true causes and not just putting Band-Aids in places that don't really need them? Um, any tips there for, for companies who want to start having those conversations, but maybe don't have never had to have it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going to be at the end of the day, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's going to take a courageous step and it's going to take getting out of your comfort mm -hmm. zone to initiate some of those conversations. So 
you know, to me, I always say inclusivity is a leadership skill. So that's a skill that as a leader, you, you just have to kind of work on it. You have to develop. Um, and I would say the importance behind that is it's important that we as an organization are acting with authenticity. And for us to say, oh, we see this gap, maybe there's food deserts, you know, in, in this location that we want to help solve from a diversity, equity and inclusion perspective um, and a you know, CSR perspective. Um, we want to help fix that problem. But we're not in that community. We're, we're not working in that community. We might not have many employees that are represented in that community. But we're going to try and solve the problem. To me, that's kind of not doing your due diligence from an awareness standpoint or acting with authenticity when we can work with community organizations, community leaders that are either already trying to bridge that gap or are already doing the work that are already, you know, vocally amplifying the message of what the need is, that's a great opportunity for an introduction and a partnership and to not necessarily have to lead from the front, but you can lead from behind or in the yeah. middle, right? And you can create that platform for change rather than, you know, having your logo at the forefront of we solve <laughs> this problem when you really don't know if you solved it or if you didn't, yeah. right? Yeah, you don't need to always go in and play hero, right? It what you just said, like creating that platform and creating that, using your resources to amplify the impact of others, that's the best thing, I mean, arguably the best thing that a business can do in terms of impact within their community and social and environmental um, responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. And tying it back to just some of the DEI concepts, to me, that epitomizes allyship, right? It's mm. providing access and opportunities that you might have as a platform for change for others that are doing the work or that are already involved to leverage, right? And it's not, uh, I call it the, the savior syndrome. It's not trying to be the savior to every problem, but just providing the access and the opportunity for others to kind of partner with you or to continue to do the good work that they're already doing. Yeah, I think that's great. And I want to go back just a second to something that you said earlier, too, about inclusivity is a leadership skill. Like, mm -hmm. I've never thought of that before, yeah. but you are, like, that is hitting the nail on the head. Like, when you are talking, and, like, I'm sure you've been to these before. I know I've been to them before where it's like, here's how to be a good manager. Here's how to, oh. lead, like, be a good leader. And it's like, make sure you're looking at everyone in the room. Make sure, you know, you're including people. And that conversation, that has been said for years and years and years, but when it comes to applying it to people who may not, not yet be in that room or may not, you know, be in that original group, it's like, whoa, this is wild. This <laughs> yeah. is rocket science. I don't know how to handle it. Like mm -hmm. my mind is blown right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I think it's, it's just imperative for if we're going to say we value diversity we're focused on equity, we want to bridge gaps, we want to provide access and opportunity, but we're, as leaders of an organization, if we're not inclusive, if we don't understand the gaps that exist, if we don't understand how, for a relevant example, how it might be more challenging for a woman of color to go in and sell some work or lead a team because she has to manage others' unconscious biases in the room, mm -hmm. Or she has to combat, you know, stereotypes that, you know, is unfair to her to have to do that compared to a white man coming into a predominantly white space 
and trying to achieve the same goal, it's going to be different at the end of the day. And if we're not as leaders aware of some of these things and equipped to act as an ally, act as a leader um, in that space and help bridge those gaps, then we're not doing our job as a leader of an organization or a leader of a team. Yeah. Wow. That I absolutely love that. I think that is such an important takeaway. And I, yeah, I think that's incredible. <laughs> um, so any other pieces of advice that you would give to a company or a business leader or, you know, someone who wants to start a business, um, as they're thinking about how do I make sure that I'm being responsible from a DE&I lens from the get-go, from day one? Yeah. Um, whether you're at um, day one or day 5,000 or whatever that day is, it's to me the biggest thing is working and acting with empathy, right? Mm-hmm. Being people-focused, understanding that, you know, moving the needle in diversity, equity, and inclusion is hard and it's going to take work. We're not going to see results overnight. We're going to get backlash, right? If you go in knowing that and being empathetic and understanding and, uh, and able to meet people where they are mm-hmm. to get them where you want them to go, then, you, you know, you're going to do the, the, you're going to do the work eventually. It's, it's going to, it's going to happen. I think one of the reasons that we haven't seen as much progress in this space as we would hope for decades and centuries is we're trying to put template solutions. We're trying to share definitions and hope that it'll just change people overnight by sharing what the definition of equity means. It doesn't work that way, right? This is, um, you know, behavioral. It is systemic from a, you know, a policy and procedure um, standpoint within organizations. So understanding that it's going to take work and it's going to take support, and it's going to take repetition, that's the biggest thing. If you can kind of get that mindset, you'll be able to, to make change from a, you know, an organizational transformation standpoint. And I love talking to startups and new businesses about this because, you know, you don't have decades and, and centuries of, like, history and baggage that you have to kind of pull <laughs> up and, and figure out. Like, you can start from the get-go. Yeah. Uh, and if you start with that mindset, you're going you're gonna to have a really firm foundation. Yeah, that's great. And I think to your point too, um, it's going to take work like that, mm-hmm. you know, understand that for yourself too. Like what we said earlier, like it gets heavy sometimes. It's a lot of work. It can be really hard, but don't feel like you're not moving forward. Like you're not making progress. Like what you're doing matters and it, it matters incredibly um, to, to everyone, to all of society. So, um, I think that's an important thing to remember is it's going to take work to have that mindset and also, you know, keep that mindset and remember it. Like it is hard work and you're doing a good job by, by branching out there and trying to do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that the last thought that I would share too is like this type of work is, you know, the convergence of doing what's right and doing what's good. Mm, so I love that. I use that to kind of like, help carry me through like <laughs> the tough times and the tough conversations and the backlash yeah. and the comments that I might get. It's, but you know, we're doing what's right and we're doing what's good. So at the, at the foundation, that's what's most important. Yeah. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been an incredible conversation as they always are with you. Um, how, how can people stay in touch and follow along with what you're doing? 
Yeah, no, absolutely uh, enjoy this conversation. As you know, I love talking about <laughs> it. So anytime that uh, we need to have this conversation. We'll have, we'll have the second uh, episode soon. <laughs> there we go. Love it, love it. Um, the easiest way uh, to find me would be Brandon E. Miller on LinkedIn. There's so many Brandon Miller, so don't forget the E. Brandon E. Miller. Uh, BrandonEmiller.com, and I'll have links to Two Fly and all of the other projects from my personal website. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, everyone definitely follow along with him and check him out on LinkedIn. He's definitely a good resource for all things DEI, always shares lots of great insights. So thank you, Brandon, for joining me great. today, and I'm sure I will talk thank to you me. again soon. All right. See you next time.